Welcome back to the Perth Business Podcast. On this episode, I talk to Pim from Media Circus Creative. We talk all about her media and comms background, her experience facilitating some of Perth's best events like Factory Summer, Froth Town and Snack Festival, and what motivates her to go, go, go in an industry that requires so much motivation and pace. If you're just starting out in your career or you can resonate with a fast-paced energy environment, this episode's for you. Give it a listen and let us know what you think. Hey, Pim. Thanks for coming on the podcast with me. Hi, Taryn. How are you? I'm good. I'm <laughs> super excited. So we're in the first, uh, we're the first visitors of Studio 7 at the Hen House, which is super exciting as we've discovered everything is super fresh and crispy. Also <laughs> my lucky number. So oh, yeah, there you go. calm my nerves a little bit. We're drinking what? Cold brew from Fiend Merchants in Como. They're my local. Love it. We love mm-hmm. a cold brew moment. I know. And there's there was like a tasting note on the label, which was hazelnut toffee. I'm getting the hazelnut, but not quite the toffee. I, don't, I was like, oh, I hope they're not sweet, but it's not. We met at uni, what, in 2016 or 17? I want to say 16. Yeah, I think 16 because I, I graduated mid-17. So yeah, it would be the class before the last semester for me because that was, yeah, that was a short unit which time for minutes? me. Yes. I can't remember which one. Was it transmedia? Yeah. Was it? it was storytelling. Yeah, it was storytelling. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. we did um, PRSA together. Yes. Yeah. So we were part of what the public relations student chapter. It rolls right off the top. Yes. Um, and that was really fun. But I think from the first time we met, uh, my first memory of you was we were doing an assignment and I had like, um, I think one of my topics was related to something that you had done in the past or someone you knew. And after the class, you just came up and you were like, hey, if you need someone to talk to about this, to interview, I know someone because I used to be, um, uh, were you in the army, the marine or something? Yes, I did a gap year in the Navy. Yes, in the Navy, that's the word. I was like, Marine Corner. I've been watching too many movies. (laughs) But yeah, you were like, there's someone that I think you can talk to. And I was like, oh my God, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever done. (laughs) Like, so sweet. Of course. We Um, have to uh, help each other when we're at uni, I think. Yeah. Otherwise, it makes it super daunting. Mm. It can be quite hard to go, go it like alone. And when you're young, you have no idea what the hell you're doing anyway, so... It's nice when someone if comes someone out there. If someone has it yeah. figured out in their 20s, I'm super proud because yeah. I think you're like every day constantly figuring things out. Yeah. But that's like for me, I think the beauty of life is when you're constantly like learning and if you don't learn something new every day, then I think you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. So let's just dive into it. You've yeah. started your own business. I did. So excited. Can you Very tell us a little bit about your journey from um, the beginning of, so you've started your business now and you're quite, I would say like you're quite all over Perth for one way of saying it, for lack of a better way of saying it. But I feel like you're part of everything that's new and happening and opening and, you know, discovering the ways to entertain the Perth population, especially the younger population and making sure that everyone knows what's new and exciting about Perth. Yeah. So Take us back to your origin story. I want to know everything. Um, are you from Perth? I'm not. Well, no, I'm not. I was born in Thailand. Exciting. Cool. Yeah. But I haven't been back in 21 years. Oh, my so, goodness. Oh, actually, no. I've been back once in the 21 years since we've moved here. Yeah. Um, so born there, born in a country part of Thailand called Ubon. Mm-hmm. And um, we spent a lot of time in Ubon and Bangkok and Koh Samui. So very much got the best of the city, the country and the island. Awesome. Um, moved here, 
because my um, younger sister's biological like, father, who's my dad as well, mm-hmm. um, is from Australia. So we moved here and then mum and dad pretty much split after the first year. So yeah. it was a bit brutal for Shelley and I um, when we were younger. Yeah. But – and obviously having to adjust to the language barrier and just parents who separate and didn't ha- know anyone here. So, yeah. Um, and then – we swapped schools a few times. Do you want to come a little bit oh, closer? Oh, sorry. No, we swapped right. schools yeah. a few times and then, yeah, so we went through to high school. Like I got into Como mm-hmm. and into the – I was always like an academic or yeah. like always in like the top tier classes at school. Yeah. And then in year eight, got into Como for the Enriched Mathematics, I Technology and um, Science Program. Awesome. And then – Mum just had a bit of a moment and just <laughs> drew me out of Como. So then I went to Kent Street. Oh, my goodness. Then, um, I was truly lost in year nine. Like I was just – I think I went to school maybe two or three days a week. Oh, my goodness. Always truanted. Um, I was pretty naughty and like forged mum's signature. <laughs> she made it very easy though because she just wrote out her name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because year nine's hard as it is. Like. Oh. Trying to deal with everything other than school, like cannot imagine. I know, yeah. and then having, to, and then just making a new group of friends as well. <clears throat> and yeah. I then um, got caught. I, I was still like managing my grades somehow mm. in year nine, and like getting all my tests, res- like my test results were good, and then all my assignments were still good. So it still kept me at the top. I'm in the top, like, tiered classes. Yeah. And then I think I got caught and I knew I was going into um, this science teacher's class that I hadn't had before but I'd heard so much about her. Yeah. And the day I got caught truanting, she was, like, the detention teacher on the day. Yeah. And I was so scared of her and a lot of students were. Yeah. And she pretty much said to me, you're in my class list for next year. Oh. Being in my class is a um, it's, it's a like ra- an honor, it's a privilege, not yeah. a right. Yeah. So if you don't want to be here, then I don't want you in my class. And it sort of just like um, pulled me into line a bit, and I was like, Jesus, okay. Yeah. But because I didn't have that authority figure at home, I think for me as a lost. 14-year-old, it was what I craved so much. Yeah, So then right. I just, like, pretty much turned around. I, like, signed up for, as a peer support leader in year 10. Oh, cool. And I was, like, in her classes and then I started doing all these, like, mining camps because I thought I wanted to be a geologist. Oh, cool. And then um, and then I did, like, I was, like, student counsellor in year 11 and then I, like, was president of student council in year 12. And then because I um, wanted – so I studied pretty much through high school thinking I'm going to do geology. Yeah. And I signed up for a curtain and – Well, um, <laughs> it's quite different to PR. <laughs> I know, very different. And then I didn't want to study straight away. So I was like, I want to do a gap year, but I don't want to do an ordinary gap year. So that's when I spent the – applied for the Australian Defence Force gap year yeah. in the Navy, mainly because they gave me two scholarships in – high school and I was like I'll just see if I even get in and yeah. I did and then it was like probably <clears throat> the best thing yeah. for me as an 18 year old like awesome it just, yeah just yeah pull me into line was it quite grueling it was yeah it was especially like the first three months in recruit school oh right it's definitely more of a mental as of course like physical but definitely yeah. more of a mental game 
Wow. Okay. Yeah, because I couldn't imagine like they we had someone come into our year nine, maybe it was year eleven, um, one of my phys- physics classes, and she was like sort of promoting the program that they had. And I thought, oh my god, that would be so cool. But it sounded like she was like, this is not for the week. <laughs> like, do not come here because you think it'll be fun. Like, you need to. You would have to commit. And, like, you would have some cost benefit but also, like, some struggles that you would go through. And um, a few of the girls, like, I know, I think one of the girls went and did it for my school over in Queensland. Um, but the rest of us, like, uh, yeah, academically I just didn't go that way personally. But I'm, like, that's admiration for people that can, like, put themselves through that for the gain, the mental gain afterwards. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's really exciting. How do you feel like that sort of experience lended itself to your – because you obviously went then and studied PR. Was that immediately after – was it geology Geology? yeah yeah no so I am so after the gap year was over I signed up to serve time oh yeah and I actually and at that period of time all of us the people who did the gap year program with me the 12 of us yeah uh yeah so it wasn't for some people um did you end up serving time at all or no so I um I applied so with that did the defense force or the all the jobs in the Defence Force are called, like, categories. Yeah. And essentially all the categories, not – there's only a few that actually you walk away into the civilian world, which is the world that we live in, mm-hmm. um, with an actual skilled um, recognition. Right. So I think one of the only ones was a hydrographic surveyor, which is very much oh similar to the geology degree that I wanted to do. Wow. So um, I signed up for that. Yep. Not thinking I was going to get in yep. straight away. Because there was apparently like a three-year waiting, um, like or three-year hold, like hold period, and then I got accepted in like two weeks, and they were like, "You like so we finished in May, and they're like, you start in March next year for recruit." So I had eight months off to do something, yeah. and I just had no idea what, what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. So this is when Causeway. I don't know if you had heard of Causeway Bar. No, and it was in Vic Park, so it had it. It was honestly like the place to be for about two or three years. Yeah, and, right. And um, I worked there as a door girl. Okay. Wow, and that's intense. I, yeah. As a door – okay, so what's involved in being a door girl? Like what's the – is so, it more security or more just letting people in if they've got like tickets and things like that? Like guest lists. Um, yeah. You can scan tickets if yeah. oh, right. yeah. you need to. You pretty much are just there as like on behalf of the venue at the front door to, to liaise between the – Yes, and like the security guard. Yeah, right. Like okay. the security guard will pretty much like come to you if you need, if they need to like make sure if this person can get in, yep. if there's any dress standards, if someone says they're on the guest list, like you're just the mediator at that front door and you're there to greet them and just like you're pretty much that first impression. Yeah. So, and then because I actually really love it because I love talking to people. Yeah. So I think I was a door girl from, yeah, 20... 12 to and I think I only officially stopped it in like 2020 yeah so just like always loved it but yeah it's it's one of those jobs where you like hate it sometimes because you're just like I miss my weekends oh right and then um there's moments where you like don't do it for two weeks you're like oh I actually really miss it yeah but again when I think about it being a door girl it made me like a natural communicator yeah and I just I loved immersing myself in that and I think that's why I really wanted to do PR and marketing oh cool so I actually withdrew my application from the Navy um and then I signed up for um PR and marketing at Curtin 
Oh, cool. And here we are, full circle. Literally. (laughs) So you went from going to doing rocks to like rocking out your weekends at the front door of this club. (laughs) Um, And now you're doing PR, like rocking people's socks off with your events and things like that. Let's put it that way. Doing my best. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, I feel like like for me, it was a similar thing where I recognized that I loved interacting with people and talking to humans more than I did like engineering, which is like, that's a a very, like a similarly technical thing to do. And then to swing the other way. We've literally done a 180. Yeah. (laughs) See you guys. You enjoy your rocks and your machines. No five for life for us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, No, thank you. Um, In hindsight, (laughs) is that the best decision? (laughs) For Perth goers, maybe not, but you know what? I feel like let's talk about how you're killing it now in this space. So you, can you take us through your career journey and how you sort of navigated the path of figuring out that you wanted to start your own business? Um, Well, I was really fortunate when I finished uni to be offered um, an internship with David Gartner Public Relations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I always thought I was going to make the move to Sydney after I finished because I think every PR person wants to go to Sydney or Melbourne Mm -hmm. just because obviously you hear that the opportunities over there are a lot larger. Yeah. Um, but I was, yeah, super, super fortunate to be able to offer this pos- like position with DG and, um, and then it just eventually turned into like a coordinator role and from there just started growing like exponentially with, mm-hmm. with the company as like the client base started growing. But as a fresh out of uni PR marketing graduate, like it was just the cool, for me, the coolest job. And it was why I had interned um, and spent my entire degree working for free or like, you know, working seven days a week just to land like the, this job because I just got yep. to work with so many cool clients mm. that I just absolutely loved. And I just, um, it was just an industry. Yeah, I just, it was an industry that I was absolutely passionate about. And whether it was like, you know, restaurant openings or bars or um, music festivals, it was just helping those, helping spread the message on behalf of your client and just seeing the results for them is just like a high that I don't think yeah there's any like there's not a high that beats it for me like yeah. I if I get like an awesome result for a client like whether it's a press clip or you know just like pure engagement it's it's just awesome yeah and then the attendance as well yeah at those events and things like that yeah. the new restaurants the yeah. festivals yeah yeah exactly and um just and I love having my finger on the pulse. Like I love going out and dining and whining and like being out with my friends. So naturally yeah. it's just like it seemed it was just the right fit. Yeah. And then um, I was there for about two and a half years and I then went to – was offered this um, position with Bar Pop as their media and commerce manager, which was a super exciting yeah. role because obviously at the time Aiden and Chris, who are the owners of Bar Pop, had the – um, plan to expand nationally, yeah, which is right. super exciting. And yeah. I think as a 26-year-old, you just – you're like, this is awesome. Love Would love to just be part of, like, yeah. growth yeah. for such a like, incredible WA brand. Totally. And they're quite well-known. Like, even for people who don't know the scene or exactly who's, like, running what events and launching certain things, they know, like, you know, Ice Cream Factory. They know, like, 
everything that was opening down Elizabeth Key, they're like, there's always something there. Yeah. So there's like, in some way, they know that there's like something happening and certain brands are responsible for that. Yeah. Um, so that would have been quite a hard slog for you as well, I think, constantly because like, the event and PR and marketing side of things and you kind of rolled all three into one is like you've got to be on 24-7. And I remember seeing you sometimes like Instagram stories at 4 a.m. and then you'd be out at like 11 p.m., like 12 p.m., oh. 1, 2. And I'm like, oh, my God, how does she do you know, it? Oh, I don't know how I did it then. I think yeah. about me five years ago. Yeah. Like, yeah, that energy, right? Like when you're young and you're yeah. like, sleep, what's that? I don't need yeah. sleep. I slept in as a teenager until 10. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> my energy stores are full. Um, okay, so where, where to from there? Um, so I came on board in 2020, yeah. which what a year 2020 was. <laughs> like um, at the beginning of 2020 when it was just all, yeah. Yeah, so I so I finished up with DJ in March mm-hmm. 2020 and then I was due to start with Bar Pop in April 2020. And then obviously that's, I think our first lockdown happened in March. Yeah. So it was just such a... Um, um, yeah, like an unprecedented, uh, yeah, unprecedented time. Yeah. yeah, that's sorry. That is literally the word I was yeah. looking for. Yeah, and um, obviously there was a lot of uncertainty, and but the amazing thing was that the guys at, at Bar Pop were super. Um, they'd always like touch base with me and just ensure, like, ensure that like things would be okay, and we're just obviously just waiting out. Mm-hmm. Um, to see what happens. And then I started full-time with Bar Pop at the end of June, which cool. was super exciting. Yeah. So we still had the plan to expand nationally to um, Brisbane and Melbourne yep. as well. So we did the launch campaign for ice cream for Factory Summer Festival mm-hmm. nationally and there was just an incredible pickup. Like yeah. everyone was just excited. I think that our t- touring music festival is coming back to Australia. Yeah, especially and after all the lockdowns. Like, please let us out. <laughs> let us party. Yeah. <laughs> let us be in a sweaty mosh. Yes. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to have someone else's sweat on me for the first time in like six months. I yeah. think that was like the general consensus and I was like, I can't believe like – all of us are excited <laughs> to just get sweaty and rub like our sweat upon each other. <laughs> That's what it's all about, hey? And oh. like obviously the sick tunes and the cha- talent that comes with like the performers and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we announced that and then I think with the hot – and then we also announced announced Froth Town. Yeah. Which was awesome and also Snack. So twenty was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a time, wasn't it? it <laughs> For it anyone was. who was in Perth at that time yeah. in that age group, like, what it's was it like twenty? I suppose twenty five and under. Yeah, it's twenty five and under. Yeah, yeah. And literally just like get the ball rolling straight away from the moment we came in yeah. at the end of June, and um, and then the restrictions didn't lift for um for Factory Summer Festival, so that so we had to res- reschedule that. And we had to cancel Melbourne. We oh. went through with Brisbane. And Brisbane, that was a really cool opportunity to go over there and um, just be part of that for a week. Oh, cool. So you actually flew over and facilitated everything in Brisbane. Yeah. So we awesome. still, so we still like, Aiden was over there setting up. Yeah. And then the marketing team flew over there for the opening week. Yeah. And um, we were meant to obviously have it in Perth, but we couldn't have it in Perth. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so there was that, and but Snack went through, and that was awesome. We had like ten thousand people, and no outbreaks. It was just 
the best time. And then Froth Town was awesome as well. Like awesome. everyone's just excited, I think, to just be at an event and yeah. just be able to engage. Yeah. And then from there, um, it was just a series of cancellations, reschedules, postponements, and um, just a turbulent time in the events industry. Yeah. And it just – I – for me, obviously coming from an agency where I was just constantly like on the go and that's what I thrive off. I like mm. I thrive off that um, the high intensity environment. Mm-hmm. And I, I think as you, like I said at the beginning, as you are in the industry that we're in you const- or any industry, you're constantly learning about what, um, what it is that you enjoy, what it is that you don't or like yeah. learning new things. And I recognise that I work best in a high intensity environment. Yeah, awesome. So I was like, I really, I had this itch and I was like, I really think I um, I want to start my own agency. And like I had friends who had marketing agencies that came to me for like PR advice or mm-hmm. asked me to help them out with like small campaigns um, when it was anything PR. And then I was like, and they're like, why don't you just do this? Like, yeah, why don't you do just it go on the side. Yeah, just do yeah. it on the side or go out on your own, like, have you thought about it? And I'm like, I have, I just, I don't think I'm there. I don't think I'm ready. And it's just, doesn't feel like the right time. Right. And then towards the end of last year or halfway through last year, events were still like, it was just a lot of uncertainty of when we're actually going to be able to go ahead and confidently go ahead. Yeah. So I had the chat with, um, with Chris and Aiden and I told them like what I was thinking and I, my, like I loved working with the brands. The yeah. thing is like I just didn't want to let go of that. But yeah. I also knew I'm more beneficial to you. And I think as any publicist or any anyone in PR, you're more relevant or valuable when you're in constant conversation with media. Otherwise, if you lose touch with the media landscape, that is literally your most valuable tool. Like mm. like as your, your job is to do me like – relate to media yeah. as well as your obviously target audience and your clients yeah it's hard so, to build that up as well like when you do it's so like out of uni they they impressed upon us like the importance of having those relationships and like so you could just ring them up and be like hey i have this opportunity or hey do you have any ideas or i have an idea is this going to work for you know your platform and then out of university if you stop doing that you kind of you're like okay yeah so those are the relevant people i need to find 3 years later and then you realize they're not working there anymore or they're like they're not the people to talk to and then you've got a blank blank slate and if you're if you lose touch for like a year even you yeah. kind of you're behind a little bit and you need to rebuild those relationships not to say you can't because you definitely can but it's just easier if you maintain it and then you have those personal like one-on-one relationships you can just pick up the phone and be like Hey, it's been a while. Let's catch up for a beer, or I've yeah. got this story for you. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I I absolutely agree. Yeah, and I yeah I said that to Chris and Aiden. They pretty much agreed, and then they they were like, "That's why PA up PI agencies work. Like it's it's because you have to be in constant conversation with media." So um, they came on board as like my first retainer client, and I was just absolutely over the moon. Like I was oh so goodness. grateful. And um, they, so we just like, you know, obviously had early discussions about how that would work. Yep. But I'm very much still like their meeting communications manager and like I'm like, because I think going through the last like year and a bit with all those brands 
it just like I really grew to love them. Mm-hmm. And when they flourished, it like I really felt like, and like, like I said at the beginning, like my clients' wins are the biggest highs for me. Like there's mm. nothing that like feels better than that. So, and like the lows are low, but like the highs are just so much better and yep. they make it worth it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, they came on board and then from there, like I think the word just started slowly getting out. So this was back in September, yeah. Um, towards the end of September, and then the word started slowly getting out, and then, um, yeah, then people just started reaching out to me and asked if like I could help them with yep. some PR, and um, it just it just went from there, yeah. and it just was the most reassuring thing I think to have that support from from like so many people that I'd met along the way mm-hmm. and like to refer me or mm. you know to reach out to me and say like congratulations and yeah. I think I was I was really nervous at first like I just I didn't want anyone to really know I was like can I even do this like yeah. like who do, uh, in my mind I'm like who do I think I am like yeah actually, oh, no. actually doing this the audacity oh, yeah. like, <laughs> meanwhile you're like you're the expert in the space already. You've got the experience, like a wealth of experience with the local community already. Like you had that connection with Bar Pop instantly. Um, so you're like, who, who are you? You're like the perfect person to do it, right? Like, and I'm sure your clients would probably agree. So how did you facilitate getting Bar Pop on board? Because obviously you were already doing that role. You currently are still doing that role yeah. with them. And now you're just what, like consultant for them as well? Yep. So yeah. essentially like a contractor mm-hmm. um, and... So I just obviously when I had the chat with them, I just said like I'm passionate about the brands. I love the brands and I like I pretty much like when you have a full-time staff member, it's an instant overhead like Mm. and it's whereas like if I came on board as a contractor, like they wouldn't have to worry about, you know, paying me sick leave, like um, paying me, you know, holiday Mm, and it was just it like – and we worked based on, like, a campaign rather than, like, you know, a retainer where it's month yeah. by month because obviously with events it's very much, contr- like, based on the actual project going forward. Mm-hmm. So, and, again, like, I'm in constant conversation with media through other, like, campaigns that I might do throughout the year. So they were very much understanding and then we just, you know, came to, like, an agreement of, like, the workload or... Um, how much involvement I would have in each mm-hmm. campaign, and but from a PR and um, marketing standpoint, it was just like I they they knew that I loved I loved the brands and yeah. like I'd been through it with them. So like who who else in Perth, if not the person who's like been you know spreading the message for us for mm-hmm. the last like year and a half? Yeah, and yeah, super grateful. Yeah, so so grateful. So from my position, that sounds like less security for you, but more opportunity, I guess, for you to work with different brands as well as maintaining that position with Bar Pop. So like, well, I guess what's the biggest challenge for you in your current role with regard to like moving from a full-time job with stability, sick pay, leave, that sort of thing to now not having that and consulting instead? It's a bit of an adjustment. (laughs) Did you do like the pros and cons list oh, like, I did how did you do that cons list. yeah um, my partner who's very much like always been supportive of me going on my own and yeah. I think he's half the reason that I did it um actually probably more than half mm. most of the reason mm. um he helped me do my pros and cons and like you know forecasting and he for me like I 
I seek security. Like I'm very much like I like being I don't love change. Mm-hmm. So it was massive for me to do this. And um I think but then I thought like I've been thinking about this for like the longest time, like and when to do it if not now. Like yeah. and look, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out and I've yeah. done it and I can I can always apply for a job and, mm-hmm. and, you know, but I think I'm constantly searching for like ways where I can better myself or, um, fight or challenge myself. And again, I think life's about learning and mm-hmm. I just felt like I had to do this. And I think owning your own business for me right now, I'm, I'm learning a lot about not, not like the business admin side of things, being an employee employer and just managing my clients but then I also want to do the work mm-hmm. so it's actually just like all of those hats in one and because you have to work on the business and work in the business because it's you're yeah. only just starting out yeah so I think there's a lot to still learn and I think I have a long way to go but again like I wake up every day and I'm just like I'm excited to work yeah you know? yeah and I, I think something you touched on before was the support that you got and that you will still have whether or not it fails. And, like, it's never going to fail by the sound of it. It's going to morph into something else for you. So if you go out and start a business, it's not a failed business if it doesn't, like, you lose clients and whatever. It's you're morphing into something else because then you you, you then have the next project or you've morphed into, like, realising I don't actually want to be responsible for employees and then you hand that over to a manager or, like, I don't, yeah, I think failure is, like, really important and, inevitable like it's going to be something that you should garner as a business owner but thinking of the word failure which has such a negative connotation as opposed to like a learning like you keep saying so yeah I really like that and the support that you said that you've got and you have and you you know even if you didn't have the specific people sounds like there's different groups out there you could always reach out to and be like look bar pop you know so Chris and um Aiden you guys own a business can you help me with this business challenge sounds like they'd be more than open to being like yeah dude obviously (laughs) I can I I feel Mm. confident that I could like you know Mm. call there's like so many business owners out there that I've I've made a point to to forge not even like a friendship but some a strong relationship or a a solid foundation in in having that um, connection with them and being able to call them just be like hey like what are your thoughts on this? Like, mm. or I'm really struggling with this. Like, how would you approach it? I think asking for help, like, is a valuable tool. Mm. You you shouldn't be scared to ask for help. Yeah, like no one is perfect, and you don't go. You're not born into life and with like knowing everything. Yeah, you have to again always always be keen and eager to learn. Yeah, it's about not having that big ego as well, right? Because yeah. I think those are like when you can classify a failure, it's if someone's gone in with a big head and thought, yeah, I can do this. I'm already like the top. And then even people who want to support them can't support them because they're not asking for help. They're just like, I already know what I'm doing. And that's where you hear about those horrible businesses that like fail like so epically. And you're like, oh my God, how did that happen? Um, So I can definitely see how that would, yeah, happen, but obviously not. Not in this instance. It sounds like you've taken like a really nice slow approach. Um, and in, in like key learnings that you've had, I suppose, throughout your business, I'm really keen to hear about how you go about um, networking and putting like your face, your business, your skills at the front of mind of friends, businesses, colleagues, future 
um, businesses that you're going to work with, how do you go about creating that, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like a profile for yourself in Perth? Um, and everyone always says, oh, Perth is so small. But people don't just have that skill to go out and be like, oh, you know who I am, right? Like, you know, let's just, let's do business. Like it's a, it's a very niche yeah. skill to be able to be, like build that trust. And like you said, the strong relationships. So if you had some key learnings from that, how do you go about that? I believe that all relationships are valuable, like any all connections. And I think as I think the, the oldest saying is your network is your net worth. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly believe that. Like I don't think any relationships are disposable. So when I meet someone for the first time, I, I, I really try to get to know them and uh, like understand what their passion is or what makes them tick and mm-hmm. then how like we could – if it is to, if it's not a working relationship, whether it's a friendship, like how we can help each other, mm-hmm. and impressions always last, and you just you just have to be genuine and you just have to be kind, and I, yeah, I think that just goes a long way. Like I would never go up to someone and just be like, "Do you know who I am?" <laughs> I, like Draco I, Malfoy, do you know who my father is? <laughs> Bro. <laughs> step down like yes we do and we don't like it like yeah. that wand that that uh, yeah. imaginary wand away from your hand yeah yeah please <laughs> we know who you are and we don't like you yeah. <laughs> goodbye oh. yeah the amount of people that would come up to me when I work on the door as a door girl I think that's probably why I'm so scarred from it it's like do you know who I am oh my god I'm like no doll yeah. I'm asking you your name um I'm seeing the DJ I'm like Right. Yeah, I'm not up in his affairs. Your I'm name's uh, not on the list, <laughs> so you've got to take that up with him. And then they're trying to call the DJ mid-set and I'm like, he's not going to pick up because yeah, he's, he's currently on the deck. <laughs> anyway, so much sass on the door. Yeah, right. But so you, I feel like you'd build a lot of resilience off of that. Yeah. And like a funny thing, so when I used to work at the Brisbane Convention Exhibition Centre, I got into this because that's I was an usher. <laughs> like that's a very very like small example of like a not example it's a small instance where you're you're like the seat girl I guess not the door girl but you same thing you have to check the tickets you have to validate that people are meant to be there that you know they've bought the actual tickets they're at the right event at the right time which believe you not like how many people would show up at the wrong time or the wrong event and you're like are you like wow you actually have to (laughs) talk in layman's terms sometimes yeah like consumers yeah but um, and for me, like it was about being in the headspace of like, okay, right now I'm in this role to the point where I'd even turn to my colleagues if they were like, hey, do you want to take a break? I'd turn around and be like, hi, how are you going today? Can I help you find your seat? And they're like, what? And I'm like, oh shit, sorry. I was in, I was in a zone, like <laughs> get me out of the zone. So and you get people who like abuse you for whatever reason, like it's your fault that they showed up to the wrong event or it's your fault that someone's sitting in their seat, even though you're trying your best to try and like get them the right seat um the resilience that you build off of that is like I guess not to take it personally right so yeah. like being a door girl like you would have that tenfold like you would have yeah people can't, being yeah, like you can't take anything personally yeah I think in this in the industry otherwise you're just gonna go home and like cry yourself yeah yeah like that girl called me a bitch for not letting her in and seeing her boyfriend like, yeah. even though he's the bitch in this situation yeah for not getting her name on the <laughs> door know. right I'm like, yeah. don't take it up with me. Yeah. Take it up with him. <laughs> I'm like, there's names here. Yeah. But not, yours isn't one of them. But it just depends. I think it depends how you approach it. Like if someone comes up to me and they're just like actually just really nice and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought that 
um, my name was on the door, like, and then they don't approach me in a way where they're like, you should know who I am. Yeah, like attack, yeah. attack. Yeah. yeah, it's. I think it's definitely more about your approach, and mm. I don't think one person in life is necessarily like better than anyone yeah. else. I yeah. think you just have different values that you can offer the world, mm-hmm. and um, but everyone is valuable in their yeah. own right. Yeah. Yeah. What's your perspective then on like hierarchy? Because I feel like in Perth we get a bit of a like a bad rap for being behind the times and that's why everyone wants to go to the East Coast, especially in the PR industry um, and marketing and events, that sort of thing. But like, you know, our little PR, we took a festival to, um, not our PR, Perth took a festival to Brisbane when we couldn't facilitate it here in Perth or Melbourne and that's like, that's quite a big thing for little old Perth. So what's your perspective on the hierarchy of um, establishing yourself in a town like Perth? And I say town because it's it's a city and it's a it's the big smoke for people in the country, but in terms of scale for in comparison with cities in the rest of the Australia and the world, yeah. um, like there is a definite, like we have a more sense of community here, but do you feel like we are on our way to becoming like a Sydney or a Melbourne or we're always going to be a little bit behind? Is there a benefit or... Um, a negative to that. What's your opinion on that sort of hierarchy of Perth in the scheme of things? I love Perth. Mm. I think I think you make it what it is. Mm-hmm. Like you have – it's like when life gives you lemons, you mm-hmm. make lemonade type of situation. Yeah. And um, if you're craving, you know, like if you're craving like a bustling city life, like of course you, you want to – you're going to want to hop a plan and go to Sydney or Melbourne mm-hmm. or even like New York or LA. Mm. But if you're someone who likes to make the best of every situation, then you have all the tools here in our city, I think in our city, to, to be able to do that. Like we are super fortunate and I and I know like say with the recent, um, with what we're going through like globally in the world, we in WA have been super fortunate like we have been in lockdown for the longest, like, period was six weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas Sydney and Melbourne, like, four to six months. Like, yeah. it's – our economy is booming and, of course, like, it means that we're getting a skewed view of where our economy sits and I'm sort yeah. of scared for when the borders open because I'm not sure what's going to happen. Yeah. But I think we've been able to live bit blissfully – for the last two years mm-hmm. and really just enjoy life. But then we, we, we've also learned what, what's valuable to us, like as human beings, like which yeah. is connection and which has always been such a, I think we're constantly on our phones or searching for something more or like the grass is greener on the other side or, but I think this has just really humbled us and made us appreciate how beautiful like our state is. Yeah. Like I think there's nothing better for me when I go travelling around the world and then I land in Perth and then the airport doors open and that smell of fresh air is yeah. just like there's nothing more crisp and clean than like the smell of there in our city. Yeah. I have to admit. So. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Like even going to Brisbane, I'm like you the airport doors open and you just get smacked with a huge wave of like humidity and you're like, Oh on on arrival, you're like, Yes, I'm on a tropical holiday yeah, <laughs> and then leaving you're like get me <laughs> out of this swamp <laughs> literally I've, we've got friends who've just moved from malaysia yeah. and they like 
always used to bag Perth out <laughs> and then they moved here and all of one of the girls could say was like, this place is so happening. Yeah. Like, it's just so happening. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't, no one thought she was ever going to say that. And coming from Malaysia as well, where it's like, that is like, if you say bustling, like there's got to be a word bigger than that yeah, <laughs> for Malaysia, right? Like Literally. Yeah. Oh, insane. Yeah. So, okay. For people starting in PR and really like entering the industry, or maybe they're in a spot where they're just not sure where they want to go forward, if they want to start their own thing or you know, knuckle down with a business for a little bit longer and gain more experience um, or get out of geology and start in PR. <laughs> Do you have any hot tips? Like what would be your biggest things um, for them, uh, you know, to actually take the wheel and go? I think just, I think following your gut is like the biggest like recommendation I can mm. give. Like always trust that, trust the process, like trust that, you deep down know what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do it, then just make the time to to start the steps. Like whether it's talking to someone else that you know has been doing exactly what you what you think you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then just ask the questions and start and like I think once you plant the seed in your head, you just need to water it and like and then that idea or will eventually come into fruition and definitely just trust your guy and your intuition like I think you deep down know what you want to do and Mm. I think and if it's not the it wasn't the right move and you learn from that then that's a lesson and you make it a lesson you know better you recognize okay maybe that didn't work that didn't work out for me and it's not actually what I want to do but I know that I enjoyed this element of this task here and I didn't enjoy this element of that task there and you sort of just figure out along the way what it is that you really want to do yeah I like that I like that because it's like elements of like get support listen to yourself build 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 until you get somewhere it doesn't have to be like this big dream that everyone because they tell you at school like you've got to have this office job and you've got to do this and x y and z or if you're going to go the event way like make sure you're 100% successful because if you don't do it like oh that's a big deal you're in the face of um, the media and the public and you're going to be like smashed if you don't get it right, which is complete and utter like it's it's incorrect. Like, yes, bad PR is a thing. Like I'm yeah. sure you've come across that. Oh, yes. M- multitude of times. <laughs> it's a thing. Um, but there's also, you know, no such thing as bad PR sometimes. Um, or good publicity. All publicity is good publicity. Yeah. Yeah, because you can always swindle it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're like, how much can you stand behind that? How much storytelling can we do? (laughs) (laughs) Let's take it back to uh, Kern Kern Uni days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. But I think it's crazy that as a a 15 or 16-year-old, you're meant to know exactly what you want to do when you grow up. Yeah. It's chaotic. Like, you'd be an engineer and I'd be looking at rocks. Yeah. In Kalgoorlie. <laughs> Just with the people who are not our people. And maybe there'll be one or two people who are our people. But, yeah, you'd be like, yeah, you could probably even, like, fully invest in that lifestyle, like, build everything around that lifestyle and then wake up one day and be like, mm, this ain't it. Well, you hear about it all the time. You hear about people in their 40s, 50s, 60s wake up and they're like, I, this isn't my life. Yeah. I just know that's not. Yeah. And that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Like, you figure it, you're figuring it out. And no one, there's no right or wrong time to figure it out. But yeah. I think you've just got to trust the process. And as long as you, I think as an individual, if you have a strong and solid support group, mm-hmm. that gets you such a long way. Like I'd say that without my 
without my partner, without my sister, without my friends, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm. They believe in me more than I believe in myself, and mm. I think I did the right thing by just also believing in them and making time for them. And mm-hmm. I think they've seen me grow and they've they've seen the steps I've had to take. And if I fail one day, I just I know I just have to. It's a new day tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely like resonate with that because even when you did like back in uni when you were like oh I know this person that you can speak to for your project that came up when I was thinking about starting the podcast because I was like what if people don't want to talk to me or what if people don't actually know people that we can talk to what if people aren't helpful um and I was like oh but if that girl who didn't even know me at uni (laughs) is more than willing to reference a network to, to me for something that was like she didn't actually know that much about like there are going to be people who do it. So that popped up in my head and that was just like a thing that's kind of stayed, you know, just the helpfulness of like people being people and human, like the humanity of people. I know. Humility is yeah. like the most attractive thing, mm. I think, in any person. Like, yeah. And I think you, we all had to start out at some point and I think you just have to reach a hand out if you can. Morally, it's just, it's just the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's been an awesome chat. I feel like that was a good way to wrap it up. I like <laughs> that. Do the right thing. Reach your hand out. Help a brother or a be sister kind. in need. Yeah, be yeah. kind. Yeah. Just be a human because you'd, you'd want it in your position if you were in theirs, you know. So, yeah. Thanks, well, Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Perth Business Podcast. If there's anyone that you specifically want to hear from or you think would be great on the podcast, send us a DM on LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. Or you can email us at theperthbusinesspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you here next time.